Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. If you're writing notes, go ahead and write this down on your notes, on your phone, on your pad, on that paper. If you're ancient, you still take notes on paper. I'm ancient, and I still take, um, I preach off an iPad, but I write notes on a notebook, and I read my Bible with paper. It's hard for me to read on the screen. Many of you do, but I read on paper. I guess I'm semi-modern with with, um, a lot of old school in me. Amen. When it comes to reading and writing notes. Anyone with me with that? All right. All right, write this down. We will be strong. Write that down. We will be strong. We will be strong. Ever felt weak? All right, thank you for your honesty. Because that right there says, okay, good, then I could preach this in its truth. Um, Ever felt um, defeated? Yeah. And, um, man, uh, good, because you're confessing that to the choir. Because I, too, can... Admit with you that, yeah, I know what it is to feel weak. Everyone say when. Every day. I know what it is to feel weak. And I know what it is to feel at times like I can't. And I, and I don't know. You know, I told, and I'm not going to say that. We will be strong. Amen? So this is what I want to do. Because it, it doesn't leave my head. And, and I want to spend more time um, with the phrase, we will. If you remember... We, we read on this passage in Joshua on our 11th anniversary on this past December. We, we spoke about we will. And we mentioned we will. And if you were here, you remember that, right? We spoke about Joshua and we said we will. We will be this. We will be that. We will not do this. We will not be this. And, and Joshua's life, as we read it um, in December, we see that his life would eventually be changed forever. I mean, the Joshua that was a spy, the Joshua that was an apprentice under Moses, the Joshua that was a, a, a great warrior even um, would be changed forever, okay, would be changed forever as you're starting. I'm, I'm serious. From the first chapter of the book of Joshua, you'll see that Joshua's life would be changed forever. And we know this. We know that he had faith. Amen. We ha- he had faith. And, and not only that, but we know that he was a great warrior. And we recognize through the book of Joshua and even um, before that, we recognize that God is doing a work in Joshua's life. God is doing a work in him. And he's doing some great things in his life. And it's evident in the pages of scripture. Specifically, you'll see it clearly in the book of Joshua. But Joshua's life would forever be changed because now he is taking a step into leadership. Okay? Why are we doing leadership seminars? Because I don't believe that leadership is called just for a few specific people. I believe leadership within the church, yes, but I believe that even outside the church, the church outside of here are all called to be leaders in this world that is longing for people to lead them. Amen? What is the number one problem in the world? I believe it's a lack of leaders, a lack of spiritual leaders. I believe that it's people that don't stand their ground. I believe that it's people that don't stand in their convictions. I believe that it's people that stay quiet for way too long. I believe that when we're in our lunch break and there's a crowd that is speaking, God says, come on, will the leader rise up? And the perversity is being spoken about and the leader is drained and is is drowned out because the multitudes of perversity is too much for them. So the leader doesn't stand up and say, I don't think that way. I don't treat my wife that way. I don't go home like that. That's not how I deal with my kids. So what happens is I really do believe deep down in my conviction that what this world needs to be better and to be made great again is spiritual God-fearing leaders to rise up. Leadership. So if you think this message is for me to tell you to become a leader here, no. It's be a leader out there. Be a leader there. We need more leaders there than we do in here. Be a leader where, 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 where? That person that you walk by every day, that person you live with, I mean, be leaders out there. And that stuff is going to be so effective that when we come in here, man, it's going to be loud. It's going gonna, it's gonna to smell good. It's going to be vibrant. And, and I'm telling you that Joshua's life would forever be changed because he's now taking a step into leadership. He's recognizing my life is different. My life is different. Leadership 
in the Lord, listen, has a tendency to set you apart solely for his plans and for his purposes. Leadership sets you apart. There is no way that you could be a leader for the Lord and have one foot in this world and one foot in the world, in the Lord. Because then what happens is your leadership confuses those that you're trying to lead. Which way do I go? Do I stand where your left foot is standing or do I stand where your right foot is standing? I don't know, just, just don't do what I do. Say what I say. No, people are going to do more what you do than what you say. You know, for the people that are into having like spiritual, oh, I'm like their spiritual mom and I'm like their spiritual father. All right, so then recognize that if you're anything spiritual over anyone, it's not just what your words say. It's how your life is lived. It's where your feet are planted in. All right, so, so his life in leadership and anyone who enters into leadership in the Lord, we're going to recognize it's going to set us apart. It's going to set us apart solely for his plans and for his purposes. Listen, with leadership, with leadership, hopefully you're taking notes, comes great responsibilities. With leadership comes great, I'm not talking about pastorship. Listen, pastoring is what I do, but I don't know if it's what I am. I'm more of a son of God than I am a pastor. I don't think when I get to heaven, he's going to look at me and say, Pastor Regal. I think he's going to say, son. Say, Abba. Dad. Pops. I don't know what I'm going to call him. I'm falling on my knees. But, but any form of leadership. Don't, don't look at a title necessarily. That's not what I'm talking about here today. So that's why I wanted to use my title as an example. With leadership comes great responsibilities. Whether it's with a title and specifically without a title. Just the title of being called son and daughter of God. That title right there causes great responsibility. Amen. Don't think like, oh, yeah, that's the leader in the church's responsibility. That's the pastor's responsibility. That's deacon so-and-so's responsibility. When you come to Christ and Christ transforms your life, <clears throat> it's your responsibility. It's our responsibility. Don't put this weight on me. Shoot, I go home and I struggle with the same mental things you struggle with and probably worse because my mind is all messed up sometimes. I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to be real, real with you, and I'm trying to be very transparent to tell you that don't point your leaders as, oh, they should carry all the leadership. No, together as a family, as sons and daughters of God, we're all leaders in this world that is longing to be led. And with leadership comes great responsibility. Are, we, are you with me? Leadership will cause you to live your life differently without being hypocritical. Oh, I'm just real. I'm not a hypocrite. no. You're just not in. <laughs> you know, be careful when I'm just real. No, you're not. You're just fake. So what you want is you want the definition of I'm just real to allow you and justify that you have one foot in the world and one foot in God. You want to be real? Dive into the word of God. Dive into the presence of God. But listen, I'm, I'm going to get into weaknesses because this whole message has more to do with weaknesses than it does strength. And you'll see why. So what I'm trying to tell you is don't say, oh, I'm just real. Be honest. I'm just weak. I'd rather just tell you I'm just weak than I am I'm just real. Because then I feel like when I tell you I'm just real, I'm, ju I'm real, I'm justifying my weakness. No. In my weaknesses, God can still use me. And that, I feel, has greater power than me saying, I'm just real. So this is who I am. They got to deal with it. That's fake, man. That's fake. With leadership comes great responsibility. Amen. It causes us to be different, live different, without being hypocritical. With leadership comes successes and failures. Comes praises, comes complaints. Yeah, Moses was honored and worshipped at one point, and then Moses was running, like, they're going to kill me? Comes praises and complaints. Comes love and comes hatred. With leadership comes faithfulness and comes jealousies. Listen, in leadership, there will be ups and there will be downs. There will be victories. There will be defeats. But when God moves one into this kind of lifestyle, into leadership, he will cause the individual to ask themselves the question. And this question or these questions at some point in their lives or many in many points of their lives. Here it is. Why do I do this and who do I do this for? Write those questions down. Why do I do this and who do I do this for? And that right there is the greatest question. Why do I do this and who do I do this for? And if you can't answer that question, 
I'm telling you because I've been there. And I'm, maybe I'll be there again because God is still dealing with me. The Lord will continue to take you through it. If I struggle with answering this question of why do I do this and who do I do this for, the Lord is going to take me through it still until I can answer this with all of my life. That, here it is. That I am just a vessel. I am just an instrument that he uses to bring all glory unto himself. But that's a struggle for man. Because at least say I'm a little bit good. At least say it was a little bit mine. At least say... Siri, I'm not talking. At least say, at least say, you built a little bit of that kingdom. And it's hard for man. It's hard for man in their leadership to say, why do I do this and who do I do this for? To finally get to the place of brokenness before the presence of God. Humility before his greatness and his glory. That the answer of that is, I know what I am finally. I'm just an instrument. I'm just a vessel that God uses for all the glory to be upon himself. That's what leadership is. That's what true leadership is. The leader with the right heart. I feel like I'm doing a leadership seminar. What better place than right here? The, the leader with the right heart and with the right man, mind, this understanding of what I just said to you is actually arriving at the place of great honor and great humility. How do I know if, or not, who cares what I know? How do you know whether you've made it to the place of great honor or great humility? Is your life defined like this? I'm just a vessel that is used for the glory of the Lord. If it's no then you haven't arrived at the place of great honor and great humility within these four walls or outside this world. So God's going to take you through it until you could say, the reason why I do this and the person for who I do this for is for him and I'm just a vessel in which he could have all the glory back. All true leaders say amen, right? We do what we do and who we do it for. If you forgot to write it down, here it is. To bring great glory to his name. Why do you serve the Lord? To bring great glory to his name. Why are you alive? To bring great glory to his name. Why are you a teacher in a public school? To bring great glory to his name. Why are you married to that man? To bring great glory to his name. Why do you come to this church? To bring great glory to his name. Everything about you should be defined in to bring great glory to his name. I know it's difficult. I know it's hard. I know it sounds very vague, but it's... It's not when you really get into this. Joshua's life would forever be changed. You know, Joshua's life would forever be changed to the point where we could look at him and say, sorry, friend. Sorry, friends. Sorry, Josh. It's not happening. Sorry. Your life, you're, you're, you're not just a warrior. You're not just a warrior. You're not. Joshua, I know you're really good at this. I know you're really good at this. You're actually one of the best at this, especially with your dude Caleb. Caleb's really good at this. But Joshua, you're not just a spy. You're not a warrior. You're not just a spy. You're not just the apprentice under Moses. Listen, Joshua, Moses is dead. Your name has been called by heaven's glory to pick up the mantle of leadership. This is very important. To lead these hard-headed people. I'm not talking about you guys. I'm talking about the Israelites. Joshua, they're hard-headed. Yes, they are. Moses was in the mountain for having a vacation with God. And in the instance that their leader was gone because they put all their weight on the leader, they began to worship another God. They're hard-headed people. They're hard-headed people. Because their eyes are on man. Their eyes are on man. Some of your eyes are on man. Some of your eyes are on man. What, what did he say? Whatever he says must be true. What, what did she say? Whatever she says must be true. Whatever pastor, whatever they said must be true. Listen, I believe what I say is true because I, I stand in the word of God. But, but be very careful with just believing everything what everyone says is true. Like, like, like what I'm trying to tell you is, is these are people that just fully live for the sake of Moses. You talk to us and whatever you say, we're good with it. And what, there's nothing personal and divinely happening in your life. Listen, Joshua, Moses is dead. Your name now has been called by heaven's glory to pick up the mantle of leadership by the king himself. And you're going to lead the Israelites who are hard-headed people, right? And you're going to establish, God's going to use you, Joshua, to establish their identity. I believe that, though it's not said like that in scripture, it was to establish their identity. How do I, why do I believe it's to establish their identity? Well, let's have a conversation about Israelites' identity up to this date. Ready? 
up to the date of Joshua. They have no identity. All their identity is, well, we could talk about our father Abraham. He left Ur, and then he eventually made it to biblical Canaan. Abraham had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob, right? We know that. And then the 12 sons, and then they were very jealous because the favorite one was Joshua. And they made a tunic of many colors, so they wanted to kill him. But then they came up with a great plan. Let's not kill him. There's a bunch of traitors walking by. So they took him out of the pit, dipped, threw him in. And they lied to the father and said that he was dead and that animal killed him and grabbed his tunic of many colors and dipped it with the blood of the animal. Dad, our, your favorite son is now dead. This is the story of Israel. So they lied. They're li the story of Israel is a bunch of liars. The st I mean, their identity was a mess. So eventually, eventually Joshua gets sold, he gets sent to Egypt, and then he gets to Egypt, and he gets favor, and he works under a very uh, high official's household. And in, in, <laughs> this gets really interesting, ready? And then he gets accused of rape because he was so good looking, he had abs, and he was good looking, and the woman was like, the high official, um, his wife was like, Potiphar's wife was like, man, he looks, lay with me. He's like, I ain't laying with you, you're my boss's wife. No, that's not, it never works out. So what happens is, lay with me again. She grabbed him by the clothes, ripped off his clothes. He's, he's naked now, and he's running naked, and she screams, what do I do? He's running naked. This is going to be awkward. Rape! She starts to scream rape. Her, her, her husband comes back home, tells him everything. She starts to throw on this novela, this show, your servant, your servant raped me. And now he's so upset, find him. They throw him into prison. This is the history, man. They get thrown into prison. The, other, the father is over there crying with the mother because they think their son has been dead. The other 11 brothers are like, I wonder what happened to our brother. You know, we sold him. I wonder what he's doing over there. And next thing you know, the dude is in prison. God's still using him. God's still getting favor. He's interpreting dreams. Next thing you know, I'm cutting a lot of information out. He's standing before Pharaoh. He interprets Pharaoh's dreams of these cows that he's having dreams about. And he says, you're going to have seven great years, seven bad years. Store up. Because everyone from around is going to come to Egypt and they're going to find um, 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 food and all that in Egypt. And Pharaoh listened to him. It happened. And Pharaoh's like, you're the next one in line. You're my right-hand man. You're the prime minister of Egypt. And now he's high in the ranks. Next thing you know, poverty hits. And all the brothers come knocking at the door. We need help. And guess who is there to give them food? The brother that they tried to kill eventually. Sold I mean, what a whacked out story. And eventually says, he admits who he is, bring back Benjamin, my brother. How's my dad doing? He's good. He's old of age. Bring everyone back. And he starts to give them land in Egypt. Years, hundreds of years later pass. And what happens, the new Pharaoh forgets about, Mo, um, forgets about Joshua, forgets about the old Pharaoh. And what, what, does he, um, what does he do now? He's like, oh, there's so many of them. Let's, let's, let's use them as slaves. And now they're slaves. Now they're being beat up. I mean, what a life these Israelites lived. And then Moses was born. And then Moses... Um, grew up under Pharaoh's household, then Moses runs away because he kills an Egyptian, and now he's over there. God tells him to come back after four years later and, and release the people out of Egypt. So Moses now is freeing the Israelites. And where are they at now? They're running from Pharaoh, and they're going across the Red Sea, and they're living inside of wilderness, and they're just wanderers. They're just lost on the way to somewhere where God said. What a history. So now Joshua becomes the leader. They're still in the woods. They're still in the hood, and they're, 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 they're still in the wilderness. And what's happening now? You're going to go now and find their identity because all they know is false gods. All they know is uh, turning their back on me. All they know is wilderness living. All they know is this kind of lifestyle. You're going to walk them into Israel. You're going to walk them into Canaan. You're going to separate the lands between the 12 brothers. And finally, what I prophesied to Abraham is going to happen through your leadership. And this is what it is. Ready? I will bless you so that you could be a blessing to many other nations. And finally, Joshua in his leadership fulfills the role, fulfills the prophecy that was given to Abraham. And he gives the Israelites through his leadership identity for the first time ever. They don't belong to Egypt. They don't belong in the wilderness. They belong home with their God. Amen? So he's going to bring them into identity. Now is the time where the promise was made. The earth can be blessed. Because you're blessed. Now, now think about this. What did Joshua just say yes to? <laughs> I'm going to give a whole nation their identity. So let's recap. I want us to look at the scripture for today. It's in, it's in Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. You turn there real quick. And let's just read it and then it will all make sense and we'll get to the main point. I love when the kids are, are having a good time. So good. I'd rather have them screaming in fun than crying in misery. <laughs> and all the parents of those kids back there will definitely say amen to that. Joshua 1 verse 1. Are you with me? I'm going to read today from the New Living. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. 
And he said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I'm giving them. I promise you whatever I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will, you will be on the land that I have given you. What an amazing promise. From, from the, ah, all these words. From the Negev wilderness in the, in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Including all the land of the Hittites. Verse 5. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you nor will I abandon you. Verse 6. Be what? We will be strong. Be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead the people. Lead the people. You're into leadership now. You're not just a spy now. You're not just a great warrior. You are a different kind of person now. You're going to lead these people to possess all the land that I swore to their ancestors, starting with Abraham, that I would give them. Verse 7. Again, what does he tell them? Be. You've learned in this church that when it's using um, repetition, there's emphasis in what is being said. Be strong and, again, very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instruction Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Is that not also said in the New Testament, he who looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God, right? Put his hand to the plow. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Verse 8. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything that is written in it. Only then you will prosper. You will succeed in all that you do. The New King James says the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. Observe to do according to what is written in it. For then you will make your way, I love this, prosperous and you will have good success. Verse 9. This is my command. Here it is again, the third time. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think the greatest thing that God could tell a weak person is continuing to remind them to be what? Be strong. Why do you keep telling that? Because you're weak. Be strong. Everyone say be strong. We will be strong. I mean, you read this passage and we say this, what great words from the Lord these are, Number, right? These are, these are great promises, just in case you already forgot them. Here they are, ready? I'll promise you everything I've promised Moses. Well, you promised Moses a lot. Number two, wherever you set your foot, that's your land. Trust me, I'm putting my running shoes and I'm touching every land. God told me, I'm like, this one, this one, this one, this one. I'm going to run around the whole world because he says wherever I stand my foot, that's going to be my land. Give me my cross-country shoes. Take the Cubans with me. They like to run marathons and stuff like that. Number three, no one will ever be able to stand against you. Good. I'll, I'll, start, I'll just start looking at you. What? You can't stand against I mean, there's promises in the Bible. You can't stand against me. All right. Another one, I will be with you. I will not fail you. Four, five, and six, whatever. The last one, I will not abandon you. I mean, you read these things, right? And it's very easy to say what? Amen. So be it. Yes, Lord. I like those promises. How many of you say I like those promises personally in my life? Yes, and amen to them. It shouldn't be hard. After the Lord tells me all these things, amen to this stuff. We know the verses, man. We know the verses, right? With God for me, nothing can come against me. We know all these verses. And we, we, we especially memorize them. And we memorize them in case of a, it's funny, it's raining. In case of a rainy day. In case of not having a good day. We're like, I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Every weapon formed against me shall never prosper. And, and we quote these verses, man. When the weapons against you are prospering. <laughs> Because you're holding on to the promises of God. So you memorize them and you say them. I'm not saying it's bad. At least you're quoting scripture. That's good. I mean, you could be singing a lyric from Drake. That would be a whole lot worse. Okay, let's get back into this. Here we go. <laughs> Catch you when you're feeling stuff like that. All right, here we go. But I want us to know, ready? Yeah, this stuff could be very good. And, and man, I know these things. But I, I, I want us all here to know that here it is. It's not just God's responsibility to keep his promises. Listen, it's also our responsibility to remain faithful in what he's committed to us. Yes, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do this and I promise this and I promise this and I promise this and I promise this. But as I promise this stuff in my faithfulness, I'm also calling you to respond in faithfulness as well. And we need to understand that, that, that right after his promises, following all that the Lord would encourage Joshua with, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9 reminds us today, leaders of today, and it reminds Joshua in his day that he had a part to play in this as well. And may he never forget it, and may we never forget it. Should I read it again to you? Here it is. Ready? Remember everything he promised him, right? Everything that I told Moses. Everywhere that your foot touches, I'm going to be with you. I'm never going to abandon you. No one's going to be able to stand against you. Yes and amen. But did we forget about 6, 7, 8, and 9? 
Be strong and courageous. <laughs> of course, if you're with me. No, that doesn't mean that you're not going to. Be strong and courageous, for you're the one who will lead the people into the possessed land that I swear to their ancestors. Be strong and courageous. Careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them. Turning to the right or to the left, so then you'll be prosperous, successful in all you do. Study the book. Meditate on this day and night so that you'll be sure to obey. Notice, he's putting it on Joshua now. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. The Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I am putting it now on you after I've given you my promises. So here's the message. Because in our, in our 11th year anniversary, at least I chanted, at least I yelled probably, knowing me. We will. We will. I got to go back to the podcast. I'm sure I yelled it at some point. We will. But I want you to hear this, and this is my heart. By all means, by all means, that was a personal proclamation within me before the Lord that I will continue to go forward in what he's instructed me in, even at that moment, even after 10 years. Even after 10 years. So you made 11. What are you going to do? I'm not going to quit. What are you going to do? I'm, we will. So when I said that, for me personally, though I was maybe amping you up and though I was encouraging you and though maybe my vein popped out, trust me, that stuff was more about me and God at that moment. And at that moment when I was yelling, we will, on our 11th year anniversary, it was, Lord, thank you for 10 years as we enter 11th year now. Thank you, Lord God. And I'm going to continue to do what you've instructed me to do. And I pray, this is, this is sincerity here. I pray, hopefully, that when I preach messages like that, that you would pick up some form of mantle of greater in your life. Not like, oh, that was very encouraging. I like the way you scream and your vein pops out. The heck? That's not why we did that. That's not, you think I, like, I practiced that at home? Like, at this point, I'm going to yell. And they'll get it. No, that stuff doesn't work like that. God gave emotions as well. And in the middle of all that stuff that's happening spiritually, he lets your emotions come. Like, like, don't get confused with that stuff, man. I could preach the same message like this. And the same message has the same power and the same ability. Then it does if I preach it like this. So everyone's different. Everyone's made different. So I want you to understand that I pray hopefully that when I preach things like that, you take on a mantle for, for greater in your life. So listen, this is what I'm going to do for the next few weeks. I'm going to be on this message of we will, we will, we will. And you're going to get tired of hearing we will. But hopefully as you get tired of hearing we will, it's because you start to live it. That it will hopefully become a life transformed with a personal proclamation within you that says I will. I will, I will, no doubt about it. So today's message, part one, we will be what? In these four verses that we just read, we will be strong. He mentions and he emphasizes to, jo to Joshua to be strong and to be courageous. How many times did you read it? I think I read it three times. Good, I wasn't wrong. Three times. Giving it great importance. And I believe that if the Lord is telling us to be strong, maybe my greatest response to him says, I will, I will be strong. If you're telling me, then yeah, I'll do it. I'm believing that that maybe should be the greatest response. I'll be strong. We will be strong and we will be courageous. We're, gonna, we're going to unite these two, um, be strong and be very courageous. We're going to unite them together today because they're very similar to one another. We will be strong. Here it is. The word strong can be made to mean this. Ready? It could be made to mean be sure. We will be sure. I will be strong. I will be sure. What else does it mean? Not only will I be strong, not only will I be sure, but we will take hold. We will withstand. We will be strong. And it could mean any of these things. Joshua, listen, Joshua in this part of his life, point of his life, he wasn't being called to a small task. I mean, I'm not going to theologically battle with you. Oh, there was 6 million people. There was 3 million people. At this time, there was probably 10 million people. Listen, five people is hard to lead. <laughs> One person is hard to lead. This man is leading millions of people. It's not a small task. Okay, and but what I love about Joshua and many others that we read in the text is this, that he didn't work himself up. This is so important for you to receive. He didn't work himself up necessarily to receive this position, but God called him, and as he does, he draws out a surrendered, yes, Lord, here I am from Joshua. Joshua didn't maneuver and didn't play his chips right so he could get a form of leadership. Joshua heard the voice and all he did surrendered, yes, Lord, here I am, when it didn't make sense. Just like Gideon, it didn't make sense. Just like Samuel, it didn't make sense. Just like Moses, it didn't make sense. And none of the people in the scripture, it hardly ever makes sense when God calls them into greater leadership. 
And he's not asking you to work your chips to get to a greater place of, of leadership. But he calls the yes, Lord, here I am, deep out of your spirit. How many of you have heard that from the Lord? That's so important. So the rest of Joshua's life, it's this right here, what I'm preaching to you. It becomes his calling. Yes, Lord, from Joshua, in which I can relate to in some degree. Yes, Lord, here I am. This is my calling forever. What is Joshua's calling forever? Yes, Lord, here I am. That's his calling. What is your calling forever? Yes, Lord, here I am. <laughs> yes, Lord, here I am. My calling for the rest of my life is yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's not no, well, let me go back and bury the dead. Like we preached the last couple of weeks. No, let me go and say bye to everyone in my house. No, it's yes, Lord, here I am. Joshua, just like any other leader now, will encounter many difficult moments. If you have never read through the book of Joshua, think about what he says to himself. Well, what do I do now with Rahab? If you guys missed it, well, got to read through it. Rahab's a woman that's mentioned in the next chapter. What do I do with Rahab? Go a few chapters more and, and you, could, you could see Joshua asking this question. What about Achan? What do I do about Achan? He's stealing and he's from my very own camp and he's stealing in line to me and to the Lord. What do I do about him? How about the 31 kings that are mentioned in Joshua 12 that are going to stand against me? Eventually I'm going to destroy them all. But what do I do? What do I do with them? Listen, there is a sure thing that we can say about Joshua. That if he was going to answer this call, yes, Lord, here I am, to live out as a leader among his people, then no doubt he was to be strong and he was to be courageous. And this is the part where I'm going to wrap it up because it's one point, be strong and courageous. So here we go. You see, if we are to do the same as Joshua, if we are to live out as leaders among, among a world that desperately needs to be led, then I believe that as he told Joshua, it falls upon us as well. There is a lost world that needs to be led, and I'm hearing the command whispered into my spirit, and it's this. Be strong. Be courageous, which also means be brave. Understand that that's the first, when, when, you, when, when you, I said this at the 930 huddle, when, when, when we talk about strength and the Lord says, be strong, be strong, everyone say be strong. be strong. What do you think is the first thing that's going to be attacked? Opposite of strength, your weakness. So when the Lord says, be strong, and you're like, yes, Lord, here I am, the first arrow, the fiery arrow is going to aim straight at your weakness. What is it? Don't, don't say it out loud, at least right now, but maybe at the end you want to confess it. But, but what is your greatest weakness? What are your weaknesses? Because if you're going to be strong at anything, we all know that in any other fight or in any other game or in any other competition, the first thing that anyone studies before entering the ring, the field, the battle between that person is, if I'm going to be strong against this person, then I got to mastermind and come against what's weak in their lives. I got to find where they're weak at so then I could be made strong in their weakness. And, and that's, 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 a, that's a truth in everything, in warfare, in the octagon, in the boxing ring, in the football field, in every aspect of any kind of battle. I'm telling you that when someone is called to be stronger than the other, the other one is going to look for weakness in that person to see if they can knock their strength down. So if the Lord says, be strong, he's also saying what? Be aware of your weakness. Joshua, be strong and courageous. If you're a leader and you're called to lead in this world, I'm telling you right now, I'm not going to just send you out of here like sheep among wolves. I'm telling you that when you walk out of here and I'm preaching to you, be strong, be brave. I'm telling you that when you walk out this door, you're going to get the first phone call that is going to attack your weakness. You're going to go show up to work tomorrow and the first thing that's going to happen to you is that which attacks your weakness. Some of my greatest moments in our church services some of those greatest moments, what has been attacked are my weaknesses right after that, that, that destroy me and basically disable me. And I'm like, how did I go from a place of such great strength that I'm basically rapping up here on the stage to then I'm defeated in a very weak place somewhere. I mean, I mean this happens to people. And I'm not going to front and act like it doesn't happen to any of us. If we're going to be a stronger church, then we need to be more open about the weaknesses that we hold. And the number one person that I have to be open with it to is the one that knows them all in detail. Listen, that cry is not a good one.
How do I know if I'm strong enough for this or not? Well, the first question that we'll ask is this. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure in your commitment to the Lord? Because listen, if you're still like, I don't know if I want to totally go in with the Lord, you're not going to last. If you're not sure about your commitment, it's not going to last. When I, when, I, when I sit with people and they're about to get married, I'm like, before we do this on your wedding day, are you guys sure? Because in a year from now, you can't come up to me and say, ah, oh, I kind of made a mistake. That stuff doesn't work, you know. Like, this is it. Are you sure that you're going to be committed to this? So then in that part of that class, I have to open up and talk about some very harsh and very difficult things that happen in marriages. It happens in relationships. You've ever stayed committed to a friend even through hard times? Congratulations. Not many people do that. Not many people do that. Listen, and that's how it is with God. Man, this is hard. This is difficult. How do we even go through this stuff together? But yeah, you know what? I'm loyal. I'm going to stay committed to this. If the, the first thing that you could ask yourself is how do I know if I'm ready for this, if I'm strong enough for this? Well, are you sure in your commitment to the Lord? If yes, yes, be strong. Take hold. Withstand. You know, I love Romans 8.28. We preach it here a lot. We say it a lot. We, 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 we post it on our, on our accounts a lot. And just in case you don't know what it is, it's this. And we know that the things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. And we all say, oh, such a good verse. Romans 8, 28, Paul, thank you for saying that. But, and I love, listen, I'm not trying to downplay 29 and 30. 29 and 30 are just as important. But I love Romans 28, 29, 30. I love what it says. But I need, I need us to understand this because as I was reading it, I laughed in, within myself because I said, wow, I read 28, 29, and 30 a lot, but I never stopped to read 26 and 27 that comes right before it. We can't ignore the verses just before these, especially these two, 26 and 27. Let's go to it. Ready? Romans 8, 26 says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our... Wow. For example... We don't know what God wants us to pray, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Verse 27, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. I mean, I love this. I love 26 and 20. I mean, if I'm going to quote and know that know all things work together for good to those who love God according to his purposes, then I have to also know that the Holy Spirit helps me in my weakness. And yes, I don't know exactly what to pray for, but there is one that is praying for me, and his name is the Holy Spirit. And he prays for me with groanings that can only be expressed from his heart to the Father's heart because the Father knows his mind and knows his prayer. And he knows all things that the Spirit is saying. And the Spirit is pleading for me who is called according to his purpose. That does something to me when I'm struggling with my anxiety, when I'm suffering and I'm battling my mind. I say, I have a Holy Spirit that is praying fervently for me. So, be, so this, is, this is good because, because we would say that Joshua, like ourselves, right? How many of us can admit this? Like Joshua, ready? We are called according to his purposes. Yes and amen. Yes and amen, right? Joshua is called according to his purpose. We are called according to our purpose. Listen, and we had, we, we have, we forget about the Holy Spirit. We think Holy Spirit is like this energy. Listen, Holy Spirit is not an energy. Holy Spirit is not just like a wind. <sighs> Holy Spirit is not mystical. Sorry for churches that made that. Holy Spirit is God. Okay? And we, we can't like, live, we can't be like all about the Father and all about the Son and then like, oh yeah, but there's no, we contain the Holy Spirit. You're going to contain the one that is praying for you with groanings. The one who knows my weaknesses, you're going to contain him in a box. So, so this is so important. I got to understand that, this, 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 that I have part of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, who is helping us in our weakness. One of the great ways in which he is helping us, the, one of the great ways in which he's helping is this. He makes what New King James says, intercession he makes intercession i read from the new living and it says prayer he makes intercession intercession sounds so much better it's more like spiritual it's more theological intercession is good he makes intercession he is praying for us and what is there what is there in this intercession what is in there in this praying there are groanings that come out that we can't express that we can't even utter with words what was that that was just said that's the holy spirit uttering some things 
that we can't even express and, and we can't even utter. He's praying for us with groanings. Listen, and the Father, or should I say, but the Father, who is the other of the Godhead, the first person of the Trinity, he receives these prayers, he receives these groanings because he knows what the Holy Spirit is saying. How does the Father understand such utterings? Because the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. So when he speaks, I listen. And when I speak, he listens. So when the Son says, Father, you and I are one the father looks down from his throne to the son who's on earth and says i listen because when the son speaks i'm there i mean this is this is us the godhead the triune trinity we are trinitarians we believe that there is a god and his name is father son holy spirit yahweh that's his name he is god and there is a person in this godhead whose name is holy spirit and he's praying for you in your what? In your weaknesses. In your weaknesses. He's praying. The Holy Spirit is praying for us. In intercession. For us. For the saints. Who are God. According to his will. And I wish you guys would understand this. Maybe I should say it this way. Because this is the stuff that I go through. Have you ever felt like this? I don't, I, don't, I don't even know why, and I don't even know how I'm still here. Oh, I just felt really bad. <laughs> okay. I have. I don't know how I'm still here. This is the problem with church. We feel like we have to hide things. Come on, how many of you just, how many of you have felt like, okay, I'm not going to get mad at you. How many of you said, I don't want to go to church today? Thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys got these names down? <laughs> set up meetings with them you're done all of you are done like biblical excommunication stuff here you know no but even more honor that's, a, that's greater honor you know oh man I just and Monday comes I turn on the radio and it's that jam it does something to me you know <laughs> But seriously, you've, you've ever felt like, I don't know what I'm still doing here. I don't know if I wanted to go today. I don't know if I want to serve the Lord anymore. But this is interesting because you're still here. You're still here. You didn't, thank you for being honest. You raised your hand, but you're still here. So what, what is this stuff? You see, you try to figure things out with your mind because you're man like I'm man, and we try to figure out the mind of God. But I believe that it has deeper things to do with our carnal mind, and it has deeper things to do with our earthly understanding. Because I will tell you this, that you have the Holy Spirit himself that is part of God, triune God, who is God, Yahweh, who actually, without you maybe, without knowing or remem remembering, that he's making intercession for you who is called according to his purpose. So when you say, I don't even know what I'm still doing here, <clears throat> I know the Holy Spirit is praying for you. Listen, when there's a multitude of brethren that have not showed up to pray for you, you have the one that matters, that it stands before the presence of God and he prays for you. That's powerful stuff. You know, my prayers started to change as I started to read this this week. I promise you, this is some freaky stuff. I actually started to pray this. Holy Spirit, would you pray for me today? Isn't that crazy? Would you pray for me today? For what? Well, <laughs> these are some of the things. Can you pray for me in these things? So I started to come to my greatest intercessory partner, the Holy Spirit, who prays for me. And I understand this. I understand that sometimes I need people to pray for me. And you need people to pray for you. And I look for people to pray for me. And you look for people to pray for you. But I want you to recognize, don't you ever forget that God, man, God the Holy Spirit is praying for you. And there is no greater person to pray for me than him who knows my weaknesses best. Listen, I will, we will be strong. Can I say this? Maybe the greatest thing that I can do to be strong is to fully surrender myself to the Holy Spirit, to be strong, to be sure, to take hold. In order to withstand, I need to fully surrender to him. Why? Because he's the one that's praying for my weakness. I'm not supposed to surrender to him. He who makes intercession for me. Could it be, forgive me for using repetition here, but it doesn't matter. Could it be that this is what 2 Corinthians 12 is actually, I'm, I'm, I'm saying could it be because I'm open to dialogue and conversation. I'm not trying to say like, hey, I'm just saying could it be. That 2 Corinthians 12 is all about this right here. 
let me read 2 Corinthians 12 when Paul's talking about the thorn in his flesh. Could it be that this is what this is all about? Ready? Oh, Lord. Verse 7 says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in my flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me. That word, if you look it up, it's to harass me. It's harassing him. Lest I be exalted above measure. Verse 8, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me three times, right, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Did you catch that? There's strength in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my weaknesses, in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore... I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sakes, remember what I said in the beginning? How do you know, man, if you're there, if you're at that place of leadership, is all of my life about giving glory to the Lord? Am I just a vessel? Am I just a vessel that gives greater glory to him? How do I know that? Look what Paul says. Most gladly, I would rather boast about my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I take pleasures in all these things. Infirmities, reproaches, needs, persecution, distresses. For who? For not for my sake, not for my kingdom that I'm building, not for my own glory, for Christ's sake. And what does he say next? For when I am weak, then I am strong. One of the greatest things that the church has done for ages is hide your weakness and pretend you're strong. And the reality is, maybe if you start showing your weakness and let the Holy Spirit begin to manifest himself over that weakness, then you will show others that you're still in this race and you're actually strong and you thought hiding it actually made you stronger. There are churches that are built upon hiding that. There are families that are built upon hiding that. Pushing things under the rug. Don't say that to anyone. Don't. Well, do you understand that that great weakness that you carry could become a great strength in your life to give someone else hope and to give Christ glory. Like, I, like I, you know, I started to talk, I started, like, when I opened up to my wife about, like, yeah, man, I, like, my mind, I'm struggling with my mind. That's when I, that's when, like, I just say, I just, like, say too much sometimes. I'm like, and when I'm suffering with my anxiety, you've never heard me say that in 10 years of ministry. Never. Until I opened up one day and said, I don't know, my mind sometimes is just bad. And now it's just like, I'm cool. That's my weakness. Because you know what? Maybe me saying that, someone else in this room says, me too. Me too. Me too. I could relate to that. Then good. Let's come to Christ and be strong in our weaknesses together. Hopefully that stuff makes sense. But I take pleasures in my infirmities, my reproaches, in my needs, and my persecutions, distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And I wrote this down. And I want to speak from a very genuine, sincere place from the heart. And I use the word maybe purposely because I'm not God. But maybe, I'm talking about maybe, my weakness, mine, I'm not even pointing to you because I have weaknesses. Maybe my weaknesses is not a tool by God to curse me, but instead to bless me. Causing me to live surrender to the Holy Spirit. If I didn't have this weakness, will I live fully surrendered to the Holy Spirit? I can't answer that because I have the weakness. And what does he do with that weakness? He makes me strong in it. And what do you do? Because of it, I'm always running to the Lord. That's just me. Which then will have me now taking pleasures in it. That's why I could just tell you, this is, this is my struggle or whatever. I could take pleasure, like Paul says, in my infirmities, in my reproaches, in my needs, in my persecutions, in my distresses for Christ's sake. Because then I get this for when I am weak. There, right there, then I am strong. We will be strong. Where is my greatest place of strength? Well, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to expose my weakness and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna to let God shine on this stuff so that that way, now what? God knows about it. My brothers and sisters know about it. What are you going to do now when you attack me and try to attack my weakness? It's such an important thing for me because has, we will be strong. This statement has more to do with recognizing my weakness that it could be a tool to destroy the enemy's plan only when I'm surrendered to him. If not, it doesn't work. If I'm not fully surrendered to him, then being open about my weakness, I'm banging myself up. But uh, it's going to be a disaster. 
But if I'm surrendered in my weakness to the one who understands my weakness and who prays for my weakness and it's for his purpose, it's for the truth, I read this statement. Ready? My grace is sufficient for you, he says. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses in Christ, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This, listen, may be the place where we can begin to live out in bravery instead of fear. In bravery instead of fear. Maybe I, maybe I, live in, I lived in greater fear because of this right here, because of these verses. That now I could live with bravery and with courage because our weaknesses, my weaknesses that kept holding us back, that kept holding me back, now gives me the courage to use it to now give great honor and glory to Christ. So that his power would now fully rest upon me. So wait a minute, you mean to tell me that at times you still struggle? Yeah, and what do you do? Man, do I, in those moments when I surrender to him, do I, do, do I see him at times in my life and just show up and say, my strength is perfect in your weakness? That's the beautiful thing behind this. That maybe this is the place where I could be brave and say, I could talk to someone about this. And I said, what does it look like to be a people that we don't feel that we need to hide our shame or hide our weaknesses? But listen to this. But embrace each other's shame and weaknesses so that Christ's power might finally rest over us. Because where there is hiding... And there is concealing, and then God is saying, then how am I being glorified? How am I being glorified? What does it look like to say, brother, this is what it is. Sister, this is what it is. Church, this is what it is. And then the beautiful thing behind this is, what do you do with the immature? Because there's a lot of immature people in the family. I can't tell my son everything. I can't tell my son everything. I can't tell him everything. I got to protect his heart. So what do you do with that? How do you live with that? What do you do with the people that are immature, with the people that don't understand and finds difficulty in what family looks like? Well, we don't reject. I don't reject my son because he doesn't understand like his mom and his dad does. But, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to grow him so that one day he could understand like mom and dad understands and even better. And it's the same thing amongst the family. We don't reject each other, but we embrace each other. And we talk about this and we encounter how our strength is made perfect in our weakness. And I love that when my son looks at us and says, what's wrong with that person? How come they look like that? Or how come they walk like that? Or how come they have this situation? It's a great conversation to have. The worst thing that I could do is say, son, don't worry about that. You just ignore it. No, no, let me tell you why, son. Everyone's different. Some people look like this. Some people have this situation with them. And it's something good for him to now go to school and recognize, I can't treat that person differently. I got I to gotta sh share that with that person. I got to live with that person among what he's carrying and what she's carrying. And how does that happen? That happens with encountering that situation with the one who's immature, with correcting the mindset. Listen, my son has said some things about some family members that we have some issues with in our families, that have some disabilities or whatnot. And, was, and we have to what? We don't just let it fly. When the time is right, we sit with him and we correct him. Why? Because he's got to learn and he's got to grow and he's got to know how family looks like. And he has to understand that not everyone is strength, has strength like you, not everyone is looks like you and not everyone is going to be like you everything's going to be for some people it's different for some people they carry different weaknesses for some people they've been carrying that shame for too long but what happens is they're so used to that when they open up the first thing that happens with the brethren is they get rejected rather than get embraced and the truth is that through the embrace then right there maybe Christ's strength and Christ's power would begin to rest upon his people because now we're embracing each other's weaknesses rather than rejecting each other because of our weaknesses we will be strong. How? Begin to embrace each other. But they really stink. I don't cares. Get with them and correct them and grow them and love them and have conversations and have encounters and recognize. I see that you're weak in this area. But man, together in your weakness, we will be strong. 
Some of my greatest moments have been in prayer, in my weaknesses with people that have prayed alongside of me, fasted alongside of me, and have received strength because of their embrace rather than because of their rejection. That right there makes us a church going forward that is strong. Not because we hide it, but because we're not ashamed to say it. Yes, I struggle with anxiety, but yes, it's better today than it was yesterday. Why? Because I'm learning his strength in my weakness. I'm learning his strength in my weakness because I'm, I'm trying to live surrendered every day to it. And now I'm recognizing there's a Holy Spirit that is growing on my behalf. I believe that that makes us stronger. It's with that heart in which we lead in this desperately lost world. But instead we go out there and we're using the form of judgment in the wrong context in Scripture. And we're going out there. And instead of desperately loving and being strong for this world and in this world, we are rejecting and showing weakness for this world and in this world. We have a family member that they have the weak. Two of them have, no, we have a, a friend of the family. Two of them have a weakness. Two of them have a weakness. And we know them personally. And whenever it's holidays and they're around, I make sure I sit next to them. I do. I don't reject them. I don't look down upon them. I make sure I sit next to those two because I want to have a conversation with them. I want them to know that Jesus loves them. I want them to experience, yeah, I am a pastor. Who cares? And, I'm, and I want to do life with you, and I want to invite you to our church. Every holiday I invite them. Every holiday I talk to them about God. Every holiday. One of them I just found out was really sick, and they asked me, the family, can you pray for the Thanksgiving meal? So I went up to them, and I said, can I lift up your, I'm, you know, confidential, actually, I'm not going to say what it is, but can I lift up your sickness before the whole family and we could pray together for you? They're like, no, no, not right now. Okay, I don't know that. But, but why? Because I want him to know we're going to pray for you. We're not going to reject you because that's your weakness, but we want you that in your weakness you could still come to know God. And I'm going to embrace you and not reject you. I'm going to show you that there's a God that can touch you and can manifest his glory over you. I'm not, what am I trying to say? I'm going to be I'm going to finally be strong in certain areas of my life where before I was weak, I'm going to be strong. I'm going to be strong. I'm going to withhold. I'm going to withstand. Sorry, I'm going to take hold of those things. I'm, I'm going to be sure about those things. And at that place, bravery, bravery is lifted up inside of me. And that right there going forward makes me braver than ever. It's with that heart in which we lead in this desperate world. Many would come to know him because of that heart. Because they see that together we live for him in honesty in bravery, in strength. And where is your greatest strength? That God still is being glorified even in your weaknesses. Now, there's a part two, you know, like, oh, that doesn't mean you justify your weaknesses and you live in your weaknesses. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about surrender it to the Holy Spirit. Don't forget those parts. Surrender it. We will be courageous. Worship team will close up. We will be courageous. We will be strong. We will be brave. Meaning it does not matter. Listen now. It does not matter the danger. Amen? I'll come up here because we're going to end. It doesn't matter the danger. Listen, because Paul said this. It doesn't matter the pain. We've been given the ability to face, listen, things because now we found true mental and moral and even spiritual strength. The definition of what this we will be strong means. Surrendered. Everyone say surrendered. surrendered. Where we begin to experience strength, be made perfect in weakness. Making us brave. Making us more courageous. Facing pain, danger, people, obstacles. Facing a world that is looking to see if what we're saying and what we're doing is really true. Find perfect strength in all capacities in your life. In spiritual Seriously, let's evaluate your life for a moment, and we're going to end. Ready? Evaluate your life. In the spiritual realm of your life, in the spiritual capacity of your life, is your perfect strength being encountered there? In your emotional, is his perfect strength being encountered there? In the moral, is his perfect strength being encountered there? Where then we get to a place where we can rejoice, like Paul says, this is not my words, this is Paul where we can rejoice in our weaknesses. I can rejoice in my weakness, which is being used in order for the power of Christ to rest over me. That's how we are strong. 
As I end, I think about Joshua's life. And I think about the call on his life to lead a people. And I see the, the continual emphasis on Joshua's life to be strong, to be brave. And I can't ignore that. Because through Joshua's life, through Moses, I mean, like, we don't have to do this because the sake of time, it's going to drive many of you crazy. But if you really wanted to defend this biblically, we can. We could look at every single character in the Bible that God uses and rest his glory, his strength, rest upon them. And you will notice that every single one of them had a form of weakness or more than one. I mean, Moses was a murderer and much, and much more. David was everything. I think he covered every sin. I mean, the one that we really bashed him over the head on was he was an adulterer. But I love that through that adultery and through that woman, he brought forth a Solomon. Because God will use weakness when it's surrendered to him and show his perfect strength. You guys are with me. He did that with the apostles. Every character in the Bible, I'm not lying, man. We could, we could go through it and we're like, yeah, it's true. It does make total sense. It's, uh, we will be strong, yeah. So, so what I would love is I would love for you to go, enter into prayer. Um, I would love to you to do a heart examination. I would like to, for you to really spend time with the Lord on this. And maybe like Joshua, you know, God's calling you to lead. And I don't have to say maybe, obviously God is calling you to lead. Into this world that is desperately longing to be led. But it would never be with the mindset, with the heart, that rejects rather than embraces. That hides rather than shows it off for the glory of the Lord. I'm telling you that there's a bravery that could rise up in you. And have your mind on that. That there is one which matters most that knows my weakness and prays, intercedes for me in my weakness. That's crazy, man. You know, sometimes as I'm in prayer, I start to groan into words that are uttered that no man can maybe say or understand. Maybe there's an interpretation or whatever, but but in those moments, I feel like something inside of me is, is happening. And I feel what the scripture says where it's the Holy Spirit talking to God. It's, it's a communication that I'm not truly understanding what's happening, but my spirit is feeling it. And only God understands this. I, and it happens more often than not lately. It happens as I'm walking around the neighborhood. It happens while I'm driving. It happens while I'm taking a shower. And I don't, want to, I don't want to limit those moments because if, if that is the Holy Spirit groaning inside of me for the weaknesses that I'm carrying and the Father hears it because in those moments, man, I find strength. I'm not saying that everything is perfect and everything is answered, but I will say I find his power rest over me and I experience perfect strength in that weakness. And that, in that, that I could share that with the Holy Spirit, I could share that with God, I'm honored. Because in that and through that, I'm going to use it to give glory to the Lord. So I want to be like Joshua. I want to be like Joshua. I really do want to be like Joshua. Because Joshua was used to be a leader to help others find their identity. Israel find their found their identity because of Joshua's leadership. So I'm going to be strong. And I'm going to be open. And I'm going to embrace because maybe in that place, others would find their identity like the rest of the Israelites. Did that make sense? Because that's what Joshua did in his leadership. Because he was strong. We will be strong. Amen. Can you stand with me for a moment? Just close your eyes there. Maybe meditate on the Lord there. And thank you, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we honor you together. In this room, we honor you. We honor you because you see our weakness. And you pray, you intercede 
You intercede for us. My weakness is made known to the Father, and the Father hears it and knows it because he knows you and what you say. I thank you. I thank you because you know that I am weak. And in this room, Lord God, there are many others. And Lord, I thank you for them. And I pray that we will begin to understand that in our weakness, we can be made strong. That in that weakness, Lord God, there is perfect strength. That, Lord God, we could be filled with joy because of the glory that the Lord, that the Lord is beholding because of it. And I pray, Lord, that we would never lose hope. That every day of our lives, we will be strong. And like Joshua, Lord God, make us strong. Make us courageous. Make us brave. That through our lives being lived out before others, many more would come to know their true identity with Jesus Christ even in their weakness. That they would find true identity because a group of individuals have decided I'm going to take on the mantle of, of being strong and brave. And I've understood what that phrase really means in my life. And because of that, many others would come to know who they are in Jesus. And hopefully one by one, it will begin to transform the world around us. I thank you for that. I honor you for that. It could be difficult, but you're there with us in it all. I say, yes, Lord, here I am again, again. I will be strong. We will be strong. I love you and I praise you and I honor you today in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen, amen, amen. Maybe love someone, maybe love someone right now. Maybe pray for someone, maybe hug someone. Maybe you don't even know anything. Just go up to someone and say, can I pray with you? Can I love you? Can I th tell you thank you? Don't leave here without embracing someone today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.